Hello, and welcome into the Facts Not Feelings podcast, powered by BZ Consultants Group, with your host, Brooke Furness. Each week, I sit down with experts in the respected fields as we discuss how we can move this wonderful automotive industry forward by differentiating facts from feelings. Our conversation explore how my guests got to where they are today and how they achieve success. All right, let's jump in. All right, everyone, welcome into another fantastic episode of Facts Not Feelings. And oh my goodness, Kevin, you don't know this, but this is actually the hundredth episode of Facts Not Feelings. And I can't think of a better way to celebrate it than with you, Kevin Fry. And I don't know if anyone could actually check out his title right here, but it's Head Coach of Marketing with Jeff Weiler Auto Group. I am so excited to have you on, Kevin. Oh my goodness. And I feel of the hundredth episode, I think it has actually taken us, it has 100 episodes for our schedule to line up. So I'm so <laughs> excited to have you on the show today, Kevin. Oh my goodness, I'm excited. Brooke, are you sure it's because it doesn't seem like it's been 100 years I've been around <laughs> doing this? So I'm, I'm not really quite how to take this, but no, I'm thrilled to be here and uh, even a bigger privilege to be here for your 100th show. Oh, I, I, I actually was doing the graphics beforehand and had to send them back to the graphics team. I go, oh my goodness. It's 100 episodes. We got to make a big deal about this. So super, super excited about this. And like I said, I, I can't think of a better way to celebrate it than with the one and only Kevin Fry. And what are we talking about today? It is a, if you're looking at the title, you're like, holy shnikey Brooks, that is a mouthful. But when you're looking at this, we had Micah Burkholds on last week and we talked how to hold your, your vendors accountable, how to optimize it. We're kind of springboarding that idea a little bit more into this. So as marketers, we face so many different challenges when you're looking to say, how can we drive those sales? How can we connect our customers? How can we ask those questions? Is our SEO working? What about our SEM? Are we spending it correctly? Are we really looking to see, it, are those things working? What about third party? There's a lot of talk about third party. And this man right here, not only was he the pioneer in taking forms off the website and turning them into chats and making that conversational, he's also done crypto. I mean, he's, he's selling cars out there. So we're going to dive all into this. And I cannot wait to get into this. So Kevin, before I turn the mic over to you and let you do your thing, everyone, you know, at this point, kind of how this whole thing works. There is someone out there that needs to hear this message. This is... We're going to get into stuff that might, might, you might see, might be a little controversial. But if you listen to last week's message in the episode, maybe not so controversial, but somebody needs to hear this message and share this with them. Tag them. Maybe it's your manager. Maybe it's your owner. Maybe it's your, maybe it's your digital marketing director, but whomever. And let's get the conversation going with that. And with that, Kevin. Let's do this. Let's let's talk a little bit about what, how you got in the industry and let's dive into this. You know, I fell into the industry. I feel like that's the case with most people in automotive. I was actually one of the initial pioneers with eBay. And uh, my wife and I had a series of shops where you'd bring stuff in eBay. We sell it for you. And this is when eBay Motors just got started. And so we started listing cars. And by the way, there was no instruction book back then on how to do that. And so we were writing the book. And back then it was pretty tricky. I mean, you'd have to get a digital camera, what resolution, host the photos on a server, write up a description, all these things that are kind of like common sense now. 
But back then we were figuring things out and we literally in one year sold over 500 cars on eBay with probably less than 10 test drives. And every dealer said that was absolutely impossible. Well, long story short, I ended up coming over to the dealership side, started out helping them sell cars on eBay. And Jeff Water Automotive family brought me on board. They've always been a hotbed of innovation and leading the way. And so it's been really exciting to be part of their team and just take them to the, uh, to the future doing really well. That's, uh, and anyone that follows you knows that you're always on the cutting edge of, hey, how can we improve? How can we do better? Anytime that you're on an event, your rooms are always packed first off. It's like you got to camp out to get into the room to even listen to you speak. It's like, all right, do I have my ticket? Crap, I didn't get there quick enough. I had the room sold out. But it's always, okay, What? how can we improve? I remember, well, and we'll get into the chat, but the first time that someone was like, oh, wait, we can make not only take our forms off the website, we can make them conversational. Like all that was like, oh my gosh. And then I I, I, was, I can't remember who, I think it was Bob Lanham and I were talking. We're like, oh yeah, well, Kevin's, I'm, at this point, Kevin's probably so tired of people being like, yeah, well, yeah, I've been doing that for two years, but keep talking about it. But yeah, that's like old news. I'm on to the next thing at this point. So it, it is, you're just such a leading innovator. And I, I don't want to be like gushing over you. It's just, it's, I, I look to you so much because like, you know, how else can we do this and how else can we move the industry forward? And I love that you're constantly thinking, okay, great. What's next? Okay, great. What's next? And so with that, let's dive into some of these when you're looking at the SEO and what is, when you're looking at, explain the difference between branding and SEO, because they're yeah. similar, but they're not the same. So to our audience, what would you explain? How is the difference? How do you describe the difference between those two? I would say branding and SEO both have the same goal, which is to get people to arrive at your dealership website. It's just a matter of how you're doing it. And dealers have choices, Brooke, and there's also a cost to the approach you take as well as the effectiveness. I spoke about this last year and I want, I know is very controversial. I am not anti-SEO. In fact, I used to speak on SEO years back and was a big supporter of it. But things change. And I'm going to share with you my journey into doing this. But more important, I'm going to share some of the factual uh, data behind what we did and the difference we made. So let me look at it this way. When I do the traditional search engine optimization approach, what I'm trying to do is optimize my website to show up in the search engine queries, correct? To hopefully to get more shoppers onto my site. And that is a really difficult business. I mean, the reality is for me to begin to try and guess at all the different terms and queries and ways that people might show up at my dealership, it's, it's a daunting, if not impossible, task. And then to try and constantly guess and work and struggle to figure out what Google is doing with their algorithms so that I show up first in the search to get them to click through. It's just like an unending task that's hard to you know, find completion. In. So I took a different approach with branding because when you look at what is the number one term searched query for every dealer across the country that brings traffic in our website, it is their dealership name, hands down. So I started thinking to myself, why don't I spend more of my time and effort on just branding my dealership name 
so that whenever someone is sitting in front of their smartphone or their laptop or their desktop, you're like, gee, I'm, I'm thinking about servicing my car, buying a car, whatever the case may be. I have so successfully branded my dealership name that I'm always the first name that comes to mind that they type in. But what I'd like to do is share with you some actual facts because Jeff Weiler continues to grow. We just had eight more acquisitions last year. And one of the benefits of that book is that when you acquire someone, you can see some of the things they were doing and how well they worked. And one of the websites that was associated with the dealership we bought was paying for SEO. And it was a traditional solution you'll find out there where one of the providers will build content on your website, try to optimize the site to bring in more traffic. And they were spending almost $2,000 a month or about $24,000 a year. So I'm gonna, if you could bring up that first graphic for me. So you can see it, it's almost 24,000. And with the content they created on that site, we brought in a grand total of 940 shoppers or an average cost per shopper around $25. Now what I'm not showing you on here is that the engagement rate, the conversion rate on those 940 shoppers was less than 1%. A lot of times it's because you get these, these SEO uh, optimized pages and people show up that are nowhere near your market, have no intention of doing business with you. And so it just doesn't engage well. So I'm looking at essentially uh, almost a $24,000 investment for very few shoppers that might have engaged with me. So then what the argument, you can go ahead and pull that one down, Brooke. The argument I wanted to make was what if I took that same amount of money and put it towards branding instead. And one of the biggest things I love to do, and, and you've probably heard me talk about it, is six second bumpers. They're yes. short little videos. They're just short enough that they don't annoy the person in their, their online uh, experience, but just long enough to get across a quick message. You know, get pre-approved at uh, Wyler.com, value your trade at Wyler.com, you know, see monthly payments at Wyler.com. Let me show you, if you could bring up our next graphic. Yes, right here, you can see, I have spent on the bottom right, you see 23,492. So essentially I'm working this backwards of the amount of impressions I'm doing. In this case, this is a monthly family campaign with just branding. I generated 4.2 million impressions of my dealership name for 23,000 and change versus 940 shoppers I think I had with my SEO. My cost per impression is six tenths of one penny. So what do you think is the better decision? 940 people or 4.2 million impressions for that same amount of money. Now, if you're good, you're gonna question me and you can go ahead and pull that graphic down, Brooke. And you're gonna say, well, Kevin, that's all good and great. You generated 4.2 million impressions, but how do I know if that worked? So now I'm going to have you, let's bring up the next graphic. Um, hopefully this is the one that shows our brand name recognition in the Cincinnati market. We started doing this in 2016, and you can see this is out of the Cincinnati market, a brand name recognition study of every auto dealership in my market. Now, I was number one with a 10% recognition. But if I fast forward from 2016 to 2020, I have more than doubled our brand name recognition in the market. 
In fact, the next closest person is less than half of my brand name recognition. That consistent approach of branding is making our name so strong in the market that people are twice as likely to search us as the next closest competitor. And you know what the best thing I love about this little slide right here, Brooke? See at the bottom it says Jeff Weiler Toyota. We don't even have a Toyota dealership in Cincinnati. That's how strong our branding is. They're searching for a brand I don't have or a make, I should say, because we have branded our brand name so strong in the market. So you can pull down that graphic. So it, to me, I'm going to go once again, dealers have choices. I'm achieving the same objective, but much more efficiently and much cheaper than an SEO approach that I think is very difficult to do and is very expensive. The last thing I would share with this, and for all the dealers out there, and this, I gotta tell you, this drives me absolutely nuts. Why in the world am I spending over a million dollars a year on website hosting for sites that are not already search engine optimized? What, what am I paying for? <laughs> That's what we're paying them to do. They should be optimizing the sites for us. Not We should be paying them extra to, I mean, I can get going on a ramp. I hope you can see I've got a lot of passion about these issues and, and pressing our partners to be better. Man, Kevin, that la I, I'm gonna, I, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole on that one, but that is something I just had a conversation with. Well, I have had that conversation multiple times with multiple different parties about that exact issue is, well, shouldn't the, shouldn't the website already be doing the SEO? I go, well, should and doing are two separate topics here. Mm -hmm. So when you're deciding who, once again, BG Consultants with Product Gnostic, I don't care who our clients use, just as long as they're taken care of and then they partner and but guys are doing a great job. Fantastic. All that being said is when you're choosing that partner, making sure that they do have your best interest and knowing, okay, are we going to put all the eggs in one basket? Are you going to choose the website provider to do all SEO, SEM, social and everything mm -hmm. between? And if you're going to choose an SEO and an SEM, are they going to be separate? Are they going to be, so there's so many different things, but going right. to your point of the website, how many website providers really can truly do SEO? Mm -hmm. And there's just so much to unpack there. And there's so many things you just said there. Last week, we were also talking about, you know, the disc, does it sell cars? And we get so hmm. caught up a lot of times in our industry of, well, it didn't sell any cars. Okay. Well, let's unpack that for a second because oh, so many things aren't going to sell. You're not going to see that lead in in that that lead XML ADF in, right. in your CRM. But because of that branding, I have done worked with so many clients that their OTT and all the other branding they're doing is astronomically successful. And mm -hmm. by tracking all those metrics that you're showing, we can say, man, I'm seeing that they're watching that video 99% of the time to completion. Like people, I'm. I'm not going to watch a car commercial. Like I just don't, I'm not going to sit and watch on, you know, that's not something I'm going to do. Like I'm going to do it for my job, but who sits and watches that? There's a reason why they're watching it. And that branding leads to other things, but it is so important that you have all those things and you're using them, but then inspecting what you expect out of it. Is it doing what you want it to do, but don't just stop and say, well, they did their job. So those metrics must be true. Mm -hmm. But are they, did you actually go and ask, ask the question to figure out, did it actually work? So, for those that are listening, for those that are watching, whether it's live on the uh, afterwards, 
please, if you're listening to me at this on uh, podcast land, there are graphics worth throwing up. Go back and watch this either on YouTube or anywhere that we review your, your videos. Do your videos kind of redundant, redundant. There are graphics being put up here from Kevin that just screams so much knowledge here. And I know you kind of talked about this, but how do you then determine the right balance between brand recognition and then optimizing for those search engines, which you kind of just talked about where, why are we optimizing for this? For me, it's a matter of control. I can control brand name recognition. The And I'll give you an actual example from my SEO days, because I have a page now that still just performs unbelievably. I made a, a page that was optimized for Honda warning lights. And I get unbelievable amounts of traffic onto my site from that. But you know what it does for me selling cars wise? Next to nothing. 99% of those people are outside. They're probably out in Nevada wondering why they got a check engine light on their Honda Accord. And that's all good and great, but I choose to control what I know I can. And that is if I can make our name first in mind uh, for the auto consumer in our markets, then that to me is a win because they're going to arrive at our website. Amen. I've got, and I think I've told the story before. Maybe if I did, we're going to repeat it again. I have a, one of my clients has a site that is in Spanish as well. Like a lot of people do that, but they ensure that all of their blogs as well are truly translated into Spanish. Mm -hmm. And in that blog, this, this article was done. I'm going to say two, maybe three years, probably two years ago. And that is still top 10 in their cool. rankings. Now, is that going to sell them a car? It might lead to sales. Yeah. But it's about a key fob. That's what, it's not about selling, but once again, that branding is yeah. that, that ever and not only does it rank in the top 10 pages it gets comments every single month in spanish that mm. then the spanish employees can go back and be like oh yeah let me help and then from there you're branding and that you're helping the community so all these things lead to the actual dealership your brand your community and all the, exactly what you're saying here all right so what are some of those mistakes that marketers make when they're when it comes to sem and then leveraging dun 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 the third party yeah. data uh, you know what? You're actually going to see an analogy here when I present this because we really led the way with third-party data as well. So I always try to make things really simple. And our goal here, let's think about, it, is we want to get our message in front of an in-market shopper looking to buy what we're selling in the area we're targeting for. So Google pay-per-click SEM was the perfect you know, way to solve that, right? Like someone gets on, they search what I'm selling in the area I'm targeting, et cetera. We buy that person in an auction format, we drive them to our website. So that was a great solution for many, many years. But I kept pushing for what I really wanted. And that was the third party data. And let me explain behind this. Because if you think about this, the big players, whether it's a KBB, uh, Edmonds, Auto Trader, CarGurus, Cars.com, they have this market for us. They're already spending a fortune in their own marketing dollars to put in market shoppers onto their website. And if you don't know it already, if I, for example, own Edmonds.com, I can see every single thing going on on my website, right? Every single person that visits, what device they're on, where they live, every page they visit, how long they're there, what cars they're looking at, you name it. Man, that is all beautiful data that I would love to have. And so I kept pressing and saying, hey, I want that data. And of course, the answer was we can't give that to you because of privacy. 
And my pushback was, there's a way to solve this, I'm telling you. And the way to do it is, is if I give you the parameters, so I want every person looking at new and used Hondas within 20 miles of my Honda dealership on your website, you, you filter out that data every day, upload it into a custom audience on Facebook. You're going to get about a 90% match of those people. I will feed you my inventory, which you'll then put in front of those people who are anonymous to me on their Facebook feed with an AIA ad, right? Yep. And then it's UTM tag so that they click on it, they're gonna show up in my website. Mm -hmm. So now I've solved the privacy issue. I've got the data, the market I really wanna get in front of, and let's see how that performs. Let's bring up the next graphic. So what I'm showing you, this is campaign tag traffic coming into one of my sites. And at the top, I can show you, this is third-party data from Edmunds.com. And in the far right column is the conversion rate based upon the events and the goals and event-based goals I have my Google Analytics. That was a whole nother session at Digital Dealer. We can all do a little bit differently. But look at how well that traffic is converting for me. I'm literally getting more people from that than my Google My Business page, which is very rare in the automotive world. Mm -hmm. And then you can see I've got third-party traffic from car gurus, cars.com. I've got some other providers too. Those are my top converters. Now look at my SEM campaigns. Some of them are converting at less than half of what I'm doing with third-party data. All right, so bring up the one where it shows my cost per shopper, if you could, Brooke. So now look at the conversion rate. And to the right, I am showing you my average cost to put that shopper in my site. So you're telling me that I can leverage third-party data for between $0.55 cents to $0.95 cents to put that person on my website and do basically double the conversion of what it's costing me for 3 to $15 each via pay-per-click. Now you tell me, Brooke, where are you going to get the better bang for your buck? Uh, that looks like a no-brainer to me, Kevin. <laughs> and the problem is, you can pull that graphic down, and I, I understand this, and, and, and this is part of the reason why I teach and I share at Digital Dealer. Most dealers will not grasp this because they're not set up to measure it, to see mm -hmm. if it works, and they don't understand it, so they're going back to what they've already done. The other question I constantly get, you, got, you know, I'm fully transparent. Well, then people will say, well, why do you still spend money on SEM? You want really the transparent answer? Because for a lot of our manufacturers, and I know there's a lot of dealers on here with me, you got to take advantage of co-op money. Co-op, yep. And it seems like our co-op programs always lag a couple years behind what's working best. And so Just a I've couple? Got, oh, yeah. I've got to <laughs> struggle to convince them. This is what's really working. But I'm telling you, for us, I am literally filling up our funnel and pouring out the edges and doing this for less than dealers out there because we know how to get better engaged traffic at a cheaper price. So quick question. And I, I am going off script here a little bit. So I, I feel like you can probably handle the question, though. I, I have a, I have a fair uh, guesstimate on that you can handle this. When you're tracking all that, mm -hmm. and I know if you, once again, if you missed the episode last week, I'm going to ask the same question I asked that Mike and I discussed is that when you're looking at too often, the first thought was auto trader cars.com Edmonds, whatever the third party provider is, is that, Oh, 
they didn't send me a lead. Well, that is not the only way that you can get quote unquote a lead. There are so many ways that third party providers dried opportunities to your store. So if you're not measuring that, which I, I'm, I'm going to ask you is all those different ways that you measure it. Are you looking, do they drive an opportunity to your, to your VDP? Do they drive an opportunity to your SRP? Are you looking at all the different ways that they're driving opportunity to your site? Or is that just based on a quote unquote lead to the CRM? Yes and no. Yes and and no. let me explain my position here. So for example, I'd be willing to bet on Edmunds.com and I love Edmunds. I'd be willing to bet that maybe one out of 100 visitors actually makes a phone call or, you know, clicks through in a car. Yep. And if they're they're higher in the funnel too. Yep. But what's more important is that I know that someone that is shopping for Honda CRVs within 20 miles of my uh, dealership is researching at Evans.com. If I had my choice and this is not possible right now, I'd be like, I won't even pay for listings. I won't even pay for listings at Auto Trader or cars or car dealers. Just give me your third party data. But they're making a lot of money from the listings. So you got to get the listings to access the third party data. At the end of the day, so let's think about this strategically. Really think about this. The number one place that I can win the decision from a consumer to say yes and to buy from me is my dealership website. Why? Because I have all the tools available on my website to answer the three primary questions, which is how much per month, how much for my trade, can you get me approved, right? So if I can get them to my website, which is when I'm doing third-party data, I have the greatest chance to win that decision for yes. Now, am I measuring success based on forms? I think you know me well enough that the answer is no. And this is where I push dealers to be more progressive because every year what we're seeing is less and less people are directly reaching out to you. And you have to trust that based upon the experience you're giving them, the front line of your battlefield is that dealership website experience, which I know we're going to talk about, but you got to let go of some of that control, folks. Amen to that one. It's think think just in your normal life, like, do you personally want to engage with a form? If I see a form, I'm like, oh my gosh, please get rid of that form. I I, I just don't want to interact with it. I see it. I'm like, you're stuck in 1980. Mm. So I, I think we've already covered the examples of this. We just, we just talked about that. So we've talked about the, the study that you've done, the immense amount of research in that when it comes to with engaging under this kind of just catapults into this and with engaging with customers on your website, what are the, I don't even think there is a disadvantage, but for those that are like, nope, I love my forms or, hey, my owner is just so stuck. I can't do anything about it. What are the disadvantages and then obviously advantages of using forms versus chats? So let's look at the history of this. In its heyday, when forms were working great, you need to understand the benchmarks. When it was working great, you would get two and a half to three people out of 100 shoppers would submit a form. That was considered outstanding. Now, if I could get another eight to 12 of those 100 people to make a phone call, that is outstanding. You put those two numbers together. So we call it three and 12, a 15% website conversion. And then I could walk around like a peacock, a digital dealer, and everybody say, look at that rock star. Oh my God, he has a 15% conversion. And my answer is this. What about the other 85? Yes. We're smacking each other in the back. 
about at best getting 15. That's fucking. Well, let's, let's take it further. So what is form conversion today? It's about one, about 1% 1 out of 100. And it, I have griped about this for years, but for all the money in automotive, it is ridiculous that we are giving forms, a form-based experience on our websites. It's an antiquated experience. But I'm going to tell you, I know why they do it. Because dealership website providers are giving what dealers want because they always want control. They want to count forms, which are very ineffective. So that's why we led the way with removing forms. And I can, I can talk about that a bit too, but let me hush up here for a second. No, no, you're fine. Yeah, we're, keep talking about it, dude. You're fine. So what we decided to do is, I mean, you got to think about this. Every decision we make is about the consumer. It's not about what you want or what you care about. It's about what the consumer wants. And what the modern day consumer is all about is instant gratification. They want answers now. Do they really want to fill out a form and then wait for you a week later to get back in touch with them? No. What we did was we partnered with a chat provider that was willing to work with us. And we replaced our forms to go directly to chat. And I'm going to explain how this works because it's a hybrid. we got to work within the structure what's available. But let's say the question is, and when we started this, it was get best price. This is pre-COVID. That's how long we've been doing. So we get a get best price and a traditional experience is, hey, fill out this form and maybe we'll tell you what the best price is. Maybe. And of course, 70% of those people, they're out the door. Now what happens is they click get best price. It opens up a chat window. AI or a chat bot is going to answer that chat immediately. That's important because you got like that eight to 10 second window to really respond immediately. And it's going to work to try and gather some initial information for you. Now we want to leverage AI and chat bots. We can get into that detail too. But if you start asking some simple questions or something, it'll answer that. In this case, it's a best price. We will set up the dialogue to either A, directly give them the best price, B, for some of our manufacturers that require a name and or an email or phone number to be allowed to give them a lower price, right? And then give them the price. Uh, or what we're doing almost exclusively today is we're directing it to one of our live salespeople to answer the question. Um, that is what we're fine works best. So I'm going to lay this out again. I'll go AI answers. It's going to do some initial questions. Uh, if AI can't answer the question, we are going to leverage the 24-7 chat center for basic questions that they can try and help. And when they identify a hot lead specific question, every salesperson is going to get a text alert. And we have a live person on the website with a question. The first person that answers owns it and is going to then we teach them to answer the question, ask for the appointment. So then the question that you should ask once again, it's all about facts, right, Brooke? Yep. Does this work better? So I want you to show, bring up the stat on the appointment setting rates. So at the top, this is if you get a form on a dealership website, our best appointment setting rate is 25%. Our best appointment setting rates for auto trader cars, Carfax, car gurus. And then you look at our appointment setting rate when we use chat instead of forms. It's more than twice, more than double. So why should this surprise you? No, think about this. You either A, within 
a minute of them reaching out to you, and you can pull that graphic down. Within a minute of you reaching out to you, you're answering a question live. The tires are in great condition. Would you like to come in at 7.30 tonight to drive it? Yes. Versus a week later, after 14 calls, three videos, five texts, and everything you learned a digital dealer and how to follow up, I finally get a hold of them. They're like, I don't know. Maybe. And so this has made a tremendous difference in the conversion rates that we're seeing on our website. I'm going to tell you it's a two to four times increase in conversion by switching from forms and replacing it with a live chat experience. So, Kevin, I, I just want to point out something because people are going to hear this. And just as when I first heard you speak about this, like, oh, OK, so we got to change all of our form, all of our forms to, to <laughs> chat. OK, I applaud your effort with that. Before Kevin ever did this, Kevin didn't just say, we're going to go slap a button on our website and everything's fixed. No, that's not how it works. Always work backwards to work forward. Kevin, I'm going to assume, and I don't want to assume, that you had a lot of meetings beforehand to figure out. You and I are very analytically minded the same and, we're, and to say, OK, how is this going to work? Mm -hmm. Are we just going to let all of our salespeople answer? What if someone's in front of them? What happens then? Okay, what if someone's off? What if someone's on break? What? There's so many moving parts mm -hmm. to this. It's the same thing when I say I have someone says, well, we're going to round rob the least of sales people. Great. What happens when someone's in front of them? Are they going to answer that? Just going to sit there for the next two hours and no one's going to answer it? So please, if this is something you're looking to do, multiple things have to happen. Sit down and have a conversation with every single department, mm -hmm. not just department heads, but every single every single person then find a, a chat provider that can actually do this and it's just not on your website if you have a chat provider that says okay well we're all a cart so we you're then going to have to pay for google business profile then for all the third party okay know that cost going into it and how those come through how are you going to answer it what's the process for answering train your people with that is that a fair assumption kevin it is. And, and all these things, listeners, growing pains, it, when just switching from forms to chat is probably a three to four month process at the store level. And the good news is and what our people found that we're doing these and started seeing how well they were setting appointments. We literally had to put rules in place where they were not allowed to take a new chat. If they were currently working a customer, they would literally walk away from a deal they're working to get the next one of these chats to set another appointment. That's a great problem to have. The other thing is, even when you put these things in place, and just a real quick story on this get best price is a great example. So we went from uh, having a form to live chat, and it automatically asked for name, phone number, email, because Honda required it, right, to be able to show a lower price than what's on the website. And guess what our abandonment rate was? It was the same as when we had forms. And I'm like, you know, th this isn't working. What's going on? We made one small change that fixed that. You want to know what we did? Uh, you changed the verbiage of the TTM. We I'm changed guessing. the verbiage and we said, Honda requires us to get your name and an email or phone number to be able to give you the best price. And then one little simple change like that. And then it took off. So those are some of the learning things you should go through the process. And another reason why it's important to partner with a vendor that's going to work closely with you on this to make it work best for you. Yeah. And, and having that communication, man, it's so important. So you have these, these chat bots and some 
use more AI than others. And I know there's so much talk about that. So with automotive marketers, how, how can you use those chatbots to enhance the customer experience on the website? Uh, the simplest answer is because they can get real-time answers. And I'm, we're going to talk about AI here in a bit, but I keep, I always preach the same thing. I think I end every session. I have a digital dealer for every important business decision you make. You just need to ask yourself one question. Does this make us more consumer facing? If the answer is yes, you're going to win. And so what we find with chatbots is rather than waiting, someone can get a real time answer, which is more consumer facing. But the other great news is it makes us much more effective and efficient because it's very inexpensive to, for example, uh, bring in a chatbot that works for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week for a couple grand per month. And by the way, about 40 to 45 percent of your action is happening outside dealership hours. So if anything, now we're handling all those people wherever they're at, whatever time it is, and giving them the information they need to choose us to buy from. And I would say in addition to that, please make sure that you're inspecting that chatbot <laughs> because it is working 24 seven. Go and see it, not just yourself, but take take your spouse, take a friend that's not your your mother or someone that's not in the car industry and say, how is this? Is this an easy experience for you? Mm -hmm. Too often, especially us that if we built the website, that's our baby and we see it all the time. Yeah. So you get someone outside the industry and say, it was this seamless for you? Oh my gosh, this was horrible. I didn't like it all. What would you change? Great. Thanks for the feedback, but just get someone else's eyes on it. Mm -hmm. So you were doing stuff before the pandemic. Then we had the pandemic and things just everything. A lot of things change as we all know. So oh, yeah. how would you say that it affected you and auto auto marketers to with your approach to branding, SEO, <laughs> SEM, and just everything that you're doing? Uh, I would give two answers. Hands down, uh, the COVID pandemic was just a tremendous accelerator, specifically in digital retailing. Uh, we were so many years ahead of it and set up. We were number one in the country for digital retailing with Cox Automotive when COVID went down. So, I mean, it was a lot of black eyes and bloody noses prepping up. Boy, were we positioned well when it happened. I can tell you now that we have an average of 55,000 to 60,000 penciled deals per month on our sites. There's no better measurement of engagement than that. So the biggest thing I would say that happened from that is people are utilizing the digital tools that are available to assist them in making that decision to choose you. But right now, I think the biggest thing that dealers like ourselves are facing is a drive for efficiency. We're starting to see the market slow down. I'm very curious how spring sales are going to go, but we need to learn how to do more with less. And we're going to be able to do that by leveraging AI, by providing a better consumer experience. I've just shown you branding plays and third party plays to get a lot more shoppers on your site for a much cheaper price with a better experience. So to me, it's about efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. So with that efficiency, there's there's a lot of different talks about all different types of technology right now. <laughs> like yeah. I, I know that I I I personally use certain certain types of AI. I also understand there's a mm -hmm. I know the lane where it needs to, to reside. I'm not going to ask the AI to do something that it's not going to do and then be upset and pissed off at a robot because it didn't do what I thought, you know, <laughs> whatever. That's a whole other topic. But mm -hmm. with you, how do you see these emerging trends 
in the auto industry and when it comes to what we do as marketers and auto industry, mm -hmm. how do you see this going in the next foreseeable future? There's two big things. Uh, the first is AI and I always shoot straight. Okay. A lot of dealers have a stale taste in their mouth from the early rounds of Conversica. Oh, and yes. Conversica was very early AI, but I'm here to tell you, if you have not demoed AI in the last year, you need to. It has exploded. It has gotten so much better. And as a dealer, you want to leverage that. It is already happening today in the modern online consumer buying experience. I mean, just a, a really short story. I lost my American Express card. I, had, I got on AmericanExpress.com. I chatted with a live agent for 10 minutes, got all my data to, uh, to get that replaced. Did I ever really talk to a live person? Nope. And then I wanted to reconnect it to Quicken, my financial software. So I go to Quicken. I spent another 10 minutes with a live provider, right? Nope. It's all AI. And by the way, most of the consumers that are hitting your site are already conditioned to work with AI and they're happy with it. So for us as dealers, it's important for you to identify where you can leverage AI to provide a better consumer experience, which by the way, benefits us because it's more efficient. I can pay AI $2,500 a month to work 24 hours a day, uh, seven days a week, doing it right every time. And by the way, if I break that AI, I can kick it back to a live person. Yep. So hands down, AI is one of the big ones. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you the second one I think is going to be the biggest transition automotive since websites hit us. And that's consumer data platform, CDPs. And I'm going to strongly encourage anyone listening to this you need to start researching this. Brian Pash just put out a paper. I think it's the finest work he's ever done. It took a tremendous amount of work. Yeah. But if I could take a couple minutes, I'll try and break it down what it is and why this is so important. We as dealers, this is our pattern. Think about it. We, we spend a fortune every year and we're constantly looking for new customers. And then all the money you spend, you generate data, you buy data, first party data, specifically these people that visit us on websites, they make phone calls, they chat with us, they buy cars, submit leads, whatever the case may be. We do a horrible job managing first party data. I mean, it's awful. DMS is, you know, essentially mainframe technology from the 70s. Think about it this. In the 70s, maybe. I generate let's say a thousand shoppers on my website, what am I doing with that data? Really nothing. So let's say of those people, I generate a hundred leads on into my CRM. So I've got a hundred people there in my CRM. What am I doing with that? Well, how many of those end up in the DMS? If I'm a stud and I close at 15%, 15 starting from a thousand, I'm down to 15 people are in my DMS. And then, so that is like our primary data source. And at any point in time, we're sending this out to people to do email blast, uh, direct mails, whatever the case may be. While in that DMS database, I have people that have died, that have the wrong address, phone number, because we never appended because the DMS provider wants a fortune to do that. And I've got duplicates all day long. 
Yep. I mean, it's just the quality of the data is horrible. We've got data. I'd say right now there's 12 to 14 different databases each dealership has. Minimum. So with that said, this isn't an automotive idea. This is what the big Fortune 500s are doing is they're hiring these big uh, agencies, for example, Oracle, to have a customer consumer data platform, customer data platform where you put all of your data in one location and then you append that data so that you always have the latest addresses, emails, phone numbers, exactly. you know who's passed away, you know who sold their car, who just bought a car. It's your most accurate point of data. And then you take that data and make it actionable to market from. And then, so then you start getting any marketing actionable platforms and all these things. This is gonna be big, all right? And I'm convinced that as we move into the future, this is where automotive marketing is going. You're going to start managing your data from a central point and much more effectively and efficiently reaching out and marketing to the people you're trying to sell to with a personalized experience. I am doing my best to make this simple and it's not easy, but you you really need to look into it. Yeah, there's there's so many moving parts to CDP. I see the value of it and it's so needed. I definitely have reserves of how long it's going to take us in the auto industry to get to the point that that it can actually happen. We are Mm -hmm. still sending ADF XML forms. (laughs) Now I know that they're saying, I I saw something recently saying that it's going to be June. I'll see it. I'll believe when I see it, to be Mm -hmm. quite honest, I think you and I, yeah. So that being said, we're trying to get everything into one spot. Mm -hmm. Well, if that's the case, we still don't have logins where I can, if I want to get multiple as a consultant, I want to have multiple logins for my clients to certain providers. I cannot have it. So mm-hmm. I can't see data from, so there's just so many moving parts to say, okay, how, and then from a security standpoint, let's get into, I don't want to go down nope. the rabbit hole too much, but from a GLBA, who's housing that data and how, how can you, can how, how is it secure? And if I get mm-hmm. the experience, if I, there's just, there's so many moving parts. Right. It's like, okay, can we all come together from an automotive standpoint and make this happen? I would absolutely love for that. And are you also looking at where not just the attribution because everybody mm-hmm. wants to claim attribution, where are you losing? Where can you improve? Mm-hmm. And then are you having push and pull? Because some will say, oh, we can do it. But when you have to look at it, they really can't do push and pull. And it's, oh, it's only the CRM. Oh, it's right. only, only, it's not the DMS. Oh, well, you, if you make a note in our system, it won't actually push into the CRM. Into the CRM. You, and so the question then becomes, can we all come together and make this happen? Because mm-hmm. it is a really important thing. Customer lifetime value has been around for a really long time. Mm-hmm. It's just now there's so much buzz about it. And I would absolutely love for this to happen. But we all have to come to the table. We really do, man. <laughs> I think this is going to be several years in the making. You're seeing the big players like ourselves are starting to get involved with it. But in terms of efficiency and personalization, I would share one uh, short example. And this is Kroger's based out of Cincinnati. And uh, so they obviously mark a lot of different channels. And so you've got, let's say, email, you've got direct mail. We'll just do real, two real simple ones. My wife still gets in the mail Kroger coupons. Mm-hmm. And my daughter who shops there never gets direct mail, but she gets email. How could that be? Because with their marketing and their CDP, 
they have inbound signals coming in. So my wife, they're scanning the coupons they send her and they know she responds to coupons. So they will keep sending those to her. My daughter has never scanned a coupon in her life, but she does the emails and they track that she's responding to emails. So they're actually adjusting their market to be personalized, more effective based upon the inbound signals coming into the CDP of what works best. Right. I mean, I think we're still caught up in a lot of the shotgun approach, but I'll make it as simple as this. Dealers are miserable at managing and marketing to their first party data. And you got to be great at that to create that full lifetime cycle. Right. So we have a lot of room to get better at that. The other area is leveraging third party data, which we already discussed, which we can also work with that CDP as well. So every year when I think I'm starting to think I, I see it all, I see a mountain that's even higher than I could ever imagine. This is going to be the next big thing. And, and, and young whippersnappers like you, bro, are going to bring this home so I can retire. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm literally going to send you an article about Kroger I read a couple weeks ago about their marketing. And mm -hmm. it's insane. Like Kroger, if you have the Kroger app, because Kroger has multiple divisions, mm -hmm. that it literally tracks you when you're in the uh, store. Yeah. So it knows that Brooke is going down what aisle, that Brooke never goes here. And then from there, it, it, they actually, someone called them out on it and they took the entire screenshot, the, the image off their website. I'll, I'll send the article to you. It's really <laughs> crazy on how they, they, Kroger knows more about you than you ever want to know. Oh, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man so i'm trying to think i, I know we're, we're, i'm looking at the time here and let's let's wrap this up with what automotive brands with it comes to social media can enhance their seo and seo efforts by incorporating the social aspects we've talked about seo we've talked about sem we've talked about the chat but how do you incorporate social into all of this so I'm old enough that social with me started with having a MySpace page, and that's not a joke. Uh, I have seen one recurring theme from day one of social media in everything we do. Anything we do grassroots level at the salesperson level with social media will always beat what we do as a dealership. And that makes incredible common sense because it is a social platform. So we try to focus on teaching our salespeople specifically to be really engaged with their social media, to build up their audience, to get people to come in and buy from us. Does that mean that we're not you know, playing with uh, TikTok and Instagram and Facebook? No, we're doing those great things too. I'm going to share some of the digital dealer coming up here in Tampa, but that's probably the, the general oversight that I would give you from my experience with it. Brooke. Awesome. And anytime you can encourage your, your team, your employees, get them out there and let them allow them to go serve the community. Because when they're serving the community, the community is going to serve you. I, I cannot preach that more. That's uh, yeah, hundred percent, Kevin. I, I so so appreciate, it. man. It has been so much fun to have this hundredth episode with you, Kevin. I so so appreciate. It. Now we've we've thrown down a lot of facts. We've went covered a lot of stuff but now kevin it is time for the one and only <laughs> lightning round time kevin so all right for the audience that is obviously watching right now right behind you uh, below here we've got kevin's personalized link where they can find you but for the audience that is listening how can they find you how can they get in touch with you uh the easiest way is probably just give me an email kevin.fry at jeffweiler.com 
Of course, I've got plenty of social media channels and, and whatnot. Or just track me down. A digital dealer would always love to meet you in person. Yes, yeah, so if you're going to Tampa, digital dealers coming around the corner here, go check this. And please get there early because you're not going to get a see otherwise. You've got to camp out for this guy. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. All right, Kevin, outside of work, what is your favorite thing to do? What are your hobbies to do outside of work? Oh, I'm a lifelong uh, runner and weightlifter. Uh, Hobby-wise, I love to play golf. I can't say I do it very well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's the probably the biggest things in hobbies. And in, in terms of winding down, uh, am I allowed to share that I love coming home to an ice-cold martini care of my wife? Uh, so if you need instructions, you want a, a vodka martini dirty, uh, shaken, not because of James Bond, but because that's how you get it icy cold and Belvedere is the vodka of choice. Belvedere. Okay. I did not know this. I, I'm more of, I'm a T I was originally where I was kettle one and then switched over to Tito's, but Belvedere is a very good choice as well. I like it. Good, good. All right. What's your favorite vacation spot? I know you do, you do some traveling. So what's your favorite vacation spot? Love to travel. Uh, I'm partial to the Pacific. I did live in Hawaii for several years. I served uh, in Westpac with the Navy. Tahiti's one of my favorite places. Don't take the other extreme. Banff should be on your bucket list oh, if you haven't been there. Gorgeous. And the next two that I want to go to would be New Zealand and Fiji. So that's on the list. Man, those are those two are on my bucket list for sure. I've not, I haven't been to either of those, but yeah, Banff is gorgeous. Mm. All right. Show is called facts, not feelings. How are you distinguishing whether it's personal life or business facts from feelings? Man, I certainly hope today was an example. I, I mean, honestly, outside of the fact that I'm a fellow dealer, speaking a digital dealer, the one thing that nobody can fault me for is this, that regardless of what I put out, I will always back it up with factual data and stats, just like I did today. So I am a big supporter of facts. And if you're in this business, you need to be as well. Uh, amen to that, Kevin. <laughs> All right. What do you love most about this industry? The automotive is huge, but it's like a small family. And I mean that sincerely. It doesn't take you long to really get to know everybody. And the beauty of it is uh, automotive attracts type A performance driven people that are very personable. And then if you get them all together at a conference and give them some alcohol, you're going to have the time of your life. <laughs> very true. <laughs> well, let's go with what is, what's your favorite car? My 2016 Toyota Tacoma, which they keep asking to buy back from me. And my wife, who has a beautiful car, is constantly trying to borrow my truck. So I love my truck. <laughs> I love it. That's a, that's a good vehicle. That is a good truck. That is a good truck. All right. Let's go with the last question here is, what is your favorite quote? Well, one, I really have, a, it, it was my advice, which okay. is always ask yourself, does this make you more consumer facing? But the best quote that I live by is that if you want to be successful, help those around you to succeed first. And that's part of what I'm doing. Even when I present at these shows, if I can help each one of you to become better, it only helps myself to become better in the process. Oh, man, I I love that and could not agree more. It is so, man, that's like, I think I live off of that. So, Kevin, thank you so much for anyone. If you, this is the first time you're hearing Kevin, congratulations. This guy is amazing. If, it's, if you've heard him speak before, you're welcome. That's all I can say, because like I said, the 100th episode, can't, I could not have a better person on right now. And if you're going to be at Tampa, this man is speaking, definitely check him out. And Kevin, once again, thank you so much for being on the show. I so appreciate it. And as always, everyone, 
find a way to help somebody, find a way to serve someone today, whether it is a kind smile, whether it is opening the door for someone, just find a way to help someone and ease someone's burden day and make their day a little bit better. And with that, everyone, we will see everyone next week. You've been listening to Facts Not Feelings with Brooke Furness. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Leave us a rating. If you know a friend or a colleague will benefit from today's episode, share it with them. Until next week, find a way to serve someone. Find a way to help your neighbor. Remember, we are all in this together.